Hello all and happy spring 2011. And welcome to VegCast 98. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, we are back at you with another full menu of vegetarian podcastery. With VegCast 98, and we are coming back strong with vegan bodybuilder uh, Robert Cheek, who is going to talk about his book, Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, and uh, some of the things that led him to combine veganism and bodybuilding, which uh, there is a contingent of thought out there that seems to think that this is an impossible combination because bodybuilding is all about strength and fitness and uh, maximum health that can only be achieved by eating lots of animals. Uh, and veganism is about being uh, wimpy and caring about things. Uh, but Robert Cheek seems to have managed to put them together in a winning way. So we'll be talking with him. We will also be hearing a new track from Christina Louise Dicker, our Australian muso uh, that you may have heard on some previous VegCasts. And we will also have a science fact about a connection now firmly established between the consumption of red and processed meats and the risk of stroke in women. So all that is going to be coming up, and I invite you to sit back, relax, crank up your MP3 player as we deliver to you this 98th Fetch Well, I mentioned uh, some of our rationale for uh, being especially interested to hear uh, from Robert Cheek on the subject of vegan bodybuilding. And I also just wanted to point out that uh, there are plenty of vegan athletes. Uh, If you want a list of those, I'm going to put a link on our show notes of vegan athletes who have used veganism in their training to make them stronger, faster, better, worth $6 million, what have you. Uh, But Robert Cheek is by no means uh, alone in this, but uh, he has this book out and he has a lot of things going on. And so we wanted to talk to him and we're going to get right to that now, our interview with Robert Cheek. All right. Right now on VegCast, we are joined uh, by phone by Robert Cheek, uh, one of the best recognized vegan bodybuilders out there. Robert, welcome to VegCast. Thanks for having me, Vance. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for being on here. And uh, let's just start, first of all, with you have a book out that is called Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness. And I want to be sure to let people know about that if they uh, want to get uh, a book on this subject. What exactly is the most, the biggest challenge for vegan bodybuilders? a challenge, but it's something that a lot of people aren't aware of, and that's obviously how to get enough calories, how to get enough protein in order to build muscle and maintain muscle and create this type of strong muscular physique that you don't typically associate with vegetarianism or veganism. And so what I'm trying to do is change that. And I have this book, Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, The Complete Guide to Building Your Body on a Plant-Based Diet. And that's really what it's all about. It's goes back to the basics of how how do you build how do you build a body in the first place well it's through eating a certain amount of calories certain amount of protein uh, exercise program weight training program consistency adaptation improvement all these types of things 
And so I try to cover all of those angles, all the most important aspects in fitness and in health. Okay. Well, in, in bodybuilding specifically, as you say, it's not, uh, you know, you look at uh, some of the photos that uh, that you have of, of yourself in some of your competitions, and that is not a physique that one would just instantly connect with veganism, and, and a lot of that uh, obviously is due to stereotyping, but is there something, uh, you know, a lot of people would think, well, you know, you just can't, how are you going to even get enough protein to, to build that muscle? Are there particular things that you have to do, or is it is it just... Uh, kind of the same process that that you would follow with anything yeah you know what it's really the same process you would follow in bodybuilding on any kind of diet it's just eating every two to three hours eating the protein dense foods obviously we're just avoiding meat egg dairy animal products but eating the high protein foods like beans and legumes and dark green vegetables and nuts and seeds and specific grains and and if we feel like it tofu tempeh if, if we're eating soy some don't and, and using some supplements if, if we want to. It's not necessary, but there are uh, fantastic supplements that are hemp protein and pea protein, rice protein, spirulina, chlorella, flax, there's protein bars, energy bars. Uh, you can still eat heavy foods like burritos, sandwiches, wraps, all those types of things, just avoiding the animal products and replacing those with the heavy foods, the potatoes, the yams, the brown rice, the kale, you know, the, the beans, lentils, all those types of things. Okay, but if, you, if you're taking in all those uh, all those calories, you must be doing something to burn the calories other than the specific, uh, you know, strength training exercises to, to work on particular muscle groups, right? I mean, you, you have an overall uh, fitness program that goes with that? Oh, sure, absolutely. Because, yeah, the more you eat, obviously, you're going to want to exercise a lot more to turn that into muscle and avoid packing on a bunch of extra fat. So there's, yeah, there's a combination of weight, weight training exercises with intensity, cardiovascular exercise to burn the fat and, and, and build muscle tone and get that nice definition and that lean look that we associate with bodybuilding. And the fact is, most of us just don't train as often as we need to or eat as often as we need to or, or eat the right types of foods when really all of us, if we wanted, could attain a really ripped or strong muscular physique, whatever our specific goal is, we just have to do those little things day in and day out without making excuses, without saying, oh, I didn't have time today, or I, I ran out of time, or I didn't plan, or I was traveling, or I didn't feel like it. But it's just doing it day in and day out, just as if we wanted to learn a language or become really, really good at our job or learn some new skill and excel at it. The same thing happens with our body and how we get enough sleep, get enough exercise, get enough uh, liquid hydration, and obviously the right types of foods too. Well, when you say about having to do it day in and day out, I mean, that reminds me of, of veganism itself. It's something that, you know, once if you decide, you know, from here on I'm going to live a certain way, uh, it, it certainly helped me in uh, – it hasn't been necessarily given me the, the motivation to go out and exercise as often as I should. But in terms of, uh, you know, junk food, when there's uh, donuts or things in the office, I don't have to, like, have this, oh, should I or shouldn't I? Because I just say, oh, no, I, that's, I'm sure those aren't vegan, so it's not even a question. Is, is there, do, does it kind of help having an ideological uh, 
commitment that you already have in one area to help kind of give you the motivation or, or give you an example of how to approach uh, a commitment in another area? Yeah, I think that's a great question and, and, and really a you know, pretty good analogy, too, because the more you care about something and the more you dedicate your time to it and your life to it and the more you do it consistently, which becomes really second nature, the more other things like working out every day or eating healthy food every day become easier to do it because you're, you're so used to doing something that's meaningful on a regular basis and really it actually works kind of in our favor for, for health and fitness, being vegan, because naturally we are going to pass on a lot of those, those junk foods. We're going to pass on the, on the cookies, the ice cream, the pizza, obviously those come in vegan forms, but by and large most of these things, the chips and everything else, um, are junk foods that we really want to stay away from because of the dairy products that are used in them, the eggs that are used in them, and just the other foods that are commonly associated with them. So by nature, we're avoiding a lot of those things, and we're also by nature focusing a lot more on fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, which obviously are the primary sources of vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids, protein, everything else. So it makes for a wonderful combination and a great environment for someone to really thrive in. Well, let, let's just uh, talk about your history because you have an interesting uh, background. You, uh, as I understand, you went uh, vegetarian and or vegan as a teenager before you even got into bodybuilding. Is that right? Yeah. You know, I was the smallest kid in school. I was one of those guys who was always really small. I grew up on a farm. And so I came from two totally different backgrounds, the opposite end of, of the spectrum from veganism and the opposite end of the spectrum from bodybuilding. I was a really small, skinny kid, grew up on a farm, and I always wanted to be bigger and stronger, probably because I was pretty small. We always want something that we don't have, right? And sure. so I, I was worried when I became vegan for animal rights reasons as a teenager from, after the influence of my, my sister who became vegan and started to look at animals differently and, and call all kinds of animals friends or have first names for cows, chickens, other animals we had on the farm, not just dogs and cats. And I made that association too. And so I became vegan then for, for absolutely for animal rights reasons. But I, I asked those same questions. Can I, can I really build muscle? Can I really get bigger and stronger? I mean, I was sitting there at age 14 years old at 89 pounds I was playing sports in high school, age 15, at barely 100 pounds. I was, I was the little guy. But understanding what I really needed to do as I got older was just focus on eating healthy foods and exercise. And eventually I got bigger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And over the years I got up to just about 200 pounds and started winning bodybuilding competitions and making that really a, a big part of my life. Eventually filming movies, writing books, competing on stage and traveling. I'm out in Southern California at the moment. I'm on the road constantly, all based around this lifestyle that I adopted a long, long time ago. Right. Well, that's great. And, I, you know, you talked about kind of going into this, uh, wanting to, to make up for, for being a small guy, but uh, I'm sure you must have encountered some, uh, you know, some resistance from some of the, the people in bodybuilding uh, as going into it as a vegan, especially if you were admitting that it was because you actually cared about about animals. I mean, did you did you ever have any uh, altercations or any 
any stuff you had to put up with from people about, uh, you know, where you were coming from on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had to go up against resistance every step of the way. I mean, first of all, people were saying, come on. I mean, because I was a distance runner. That was my sport. I even ran NCAA collegiate cross country. I mean, I was just your typical skinny athlete. And and I was pretty good, pretty good runner. And so when I switched to bodybuilding, just because I had the passion for it, it's something I always wanted to do. I just I gave up a pretty decent running career to start lifting weights. And, and people said, come on, you know, I mean, kind of a far stretch here, uh, you're pretty, you're pretty small guy, you're vegan on top of that, it's, you know, it's probably not the cards for you, it's probably not something you're going to excel at, and, and yeah, of course, it's not something you associate with being really macho, manly, or tough, uh, caring for animals, being compassionate, being sensitive to those types of situations, and so along the way, yeah, there, there certainly were some, uh, some people who didn't think that it was ever possible or that would give me a hard time, or that really, really tried to steer me somewhere else, somewhere where I may have a better chance at success. But, you know, I, I was just able to see a couple years ahead and knew that when I was that little guy in the gym lifting little tiny weights, that they would get, they would get bigger, the weights would get bigger, I would get stronger, I would be able to pursue the sports interests that I've had since I was a kid, just something that I was always fascinated with, watching professional wrestling on TV, watching cartoons like He-Man and Captain Planet. I just loved these... <laughs> really muscular, positive role models and thought that maybe that's something I could do someday. I could be some sort of strong role model type person. And I, you know, I just, uh, I just went after it. And like I said, it's that day in and day out. And yeah, maybe it took a few years, but eventually I got things figured out. Right. And, you know, as you say, you are a kind of a role model now. And do you, do you find yourself put in the position of having to, uh, or not having to, but having a chance to kind of uh, bust those stereotypes and, and say, you know, if you think that I'm so macho and uh, so tough, you know, here's what goes along with that. And it, it must uh, <laughs> kind of open a few minds out there. Oh, sure, sure. And, and that's really one of the most fun parts about going on tour with my book and with everything else. You know, even before I had a book, I've been on tour the last five years. And you know, I'm one of those guys, I have a little bit, little bit of background in stand-up comedy. I'm usually smiling more than anybody else, uh, busy morning till night, all day, always having fun, always in the gym, always trying to get other people to be inspired to do something that's meaningful in their lives. So I really, and that's just who I am naturally, it's not any kind of act or anything, but it's, that's really what oftentimes people associate with me and with vegan bodybuilding is someone who is fun and compassionate and cares about others. And I really think a lot of that came with, with my lifestyle choices that I made 15 years ago, too. I think the more I started to care about animals, the more I cared about people, and the more I want other people to find what their passions are and succeed. And, and I, I sincerely appreciate them for all the things that they do to help animals and help the environment. And, and, and really that, that message goes along with vegan bodybuilding. It's kind of that you know, be healthy, happy, and fit type of description. And and people see that. And, and whether they're the biggest bodybuilders in the world, the, the big steroid guys on the covers of muscle magazines who I meet and hang out with, or other people who are vegans and aspiring athletes, I think I'm able to have some sort of positive influence on a lot of people in lots of different ways. And so you have, uh, you're out there on the road now, you're uh, giving talks, you're going around, you have your book. You had also mentioned uh, before we started recording, there's a documentary 
Uh, is that also something people, uh, our listeners, should check out? Oh, yeah, sure. That's a lot of fun. Vegan yep. Fitness Built Naturally is the documentary. It's with me and Brendan Brazier and Tanya Kay. In fact, I was just with Brendan Brazier a couple hours ago. He just dropped me off here in L.A. We've had a, a very long and exhausting weekend here at this major product expo where we were both out there promoting our books and working this trade show floor for hours and trying to connect with all kinds of people. We met other vegan athletes, people who have read our, our books and watched our documentaries and projects. And so, uh, so yeah, you know, there are some great projects out there. The documentary is great. It's been um, shipped to people in more than 40 countries over the years. People tend to enjoy it, get inspired by it. It's, it's, it follows the, the lives of three successful vegan athletes who are, follow all different types of training programs, sports, and even nutrition programs within veganism. And, and so that is, a, that is a fun project. And I'm always doing new things. I filmed a video out here in, in Los Angeles a couple of months ago, and that should be out pretty soon. Just a kind of a trailer for my book, if you will. So okay. that, I'm really excited to see that when it comes out. And right. just always doing fun stuff, you know? Great. Well, well that sounds good. We'll look forward to seeing that, although uh, people can get a hold of the book now. That is Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness by Robert Cheek. And uh, we're about out of time now, Robert, but is there anything, uh, you know, if some 15-year-old out there is listening to this thinking, well, maybe I should get into that. Is there one thing that uh, that you would want to get across to that listener? Sure, absolutely, and thank you again for having me. It's a quote from Mark Twain that says, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by uh, the ones you did do. Yep. But think about that and think about how that relates to your life right now and how you can decide today to make a difference in someone else's life. Great. All right. Thank you, Robert Chief. Thanks for joining us on VegCast. Thanks, Vance. Really appreciate it. Okay, great. The rumors are true. I'm smitten with you. So infatuated that I'm losing my cool And you know I'm dying to be with you, daddy-o Cause you know
is one of our VegCast faves, Christina Louise Dicker, with Diane to be with you. And as always, you can find more of her music in our show notes at VegCast.com. But right now, we are going to turn our attention and our microphone to the science. Our science fact for VegCast 98, eating meat boosts women's stroke risk. This is a Reuters story. You've got uh, this copy off of NewsmaxHealth.com. Who even knew there was a NewsmaxHealth.com? But at any rate, uh, it's a Reuters story, and it begins, Women who eat a lot of red meat may be putting themselves at increased risk of stroke. A new study of more than 30,000 Swedish women hints. The study team found that those in the top 10th for red meat consumption who ate at least 102 grams or 3.6 ounces daily were 42% more likely to suffer a stroke due to blocked blood flow in the brain compared to women who ate less than 25 grams, just under an ounce, of red meat daily. Diets heavy in red meat have been linked to a number of ill effects, including an increased risk of certain cancers, heart disease, and high blood pressure. Yet, just three studies have looked at red meat and stroke risk. One study found a link, the others did not. To investigate further, Dr. Susanna Larson of the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm and her colleagues looked at 34,670 women 39 to 73 years old, all were free of cardiovascular disease and cancer at the beginning of the study in 1997. During 10 years of follow-up, 1,680 of the women, 4%, had a stroke. And then it goes uh, on to basically reiterate the uh, the findings of how much greater the stroke risk was for the red meat and concludes several mechanisms could explain the link between red meat and processed meat and stroke risk, the researchers say. For example, both types of meat have been tied to high blood pressure, the main cause of stroke. The iron contained in red meats might also accelerate the production of tissue-damaging free radicals. Further, Larson and her team point out processed meats are high in sodium, which can increase blood pressure. So, 
Uh, this is not a new story per se, but uh, a gentle reminder of the severe problems and uh, ill health effects available uh, in consumption of red meat, uh, which it reminds me that this 3.6 figure is uh, 0.6 of an ounce over the three ounces that I hear uh, supposedly rational health advocates saying basically you just want to eat three ounces of meat a day. Now, they don't say red meat, but it seems like that's awfully close just in terms of if we assume that there is kind of a spectrum of stroke risk rather than something that just suddenly jumps up uh, in percentage at the point of uh, 3.6 ounces. So uh, it seems like maybe these health advocates should be speaking a little more rationally about that. But also, I thought it was uh, noteworthy that uh, they talk about the problems with iron in red meat, which we're constantly told by supposedly rational people, you know, the iron in plant protein is just not as, as good. It's not as high quality as that that you get out of your red meat. Uh, and here, you know, we're not hearing this message somehow that <laughs> there may very well be a problem with the iron in red meat and how it uh, causes production of free radicals. So, uh, and again, this is not a study about that effect, but that's a message that we're just not getting at all. So that's a reminder uh, that, you know, your mainstream scientific health and nutrition advice isn't always including the full story and it's a kind of reminder that you only get when you listen to the science fact okay we are coming up to the end of vegcast 98 and i just want to take this opportunity to point out that 98 is getting very close to 100 and on vegcast 100 we will be doing a variety of fun things to celebrate the centenary of VegCast, uh, which has only taken uh, close to six years to reach. But what the hey, we do want to hear from you, the VegCast listener, either via email or audio. We will play audio commentary. We want to hear what you like about VegCast, what you don't like, anything, as long as you send it to vance at vegcast.com, or you can use the address admin at vegcast.com, especially if you're sending uh, an attachment of an audio file. Uh, send an MP3 format file. Uh, we cannot pl promise that we will play all of every file we receive, but we will play some of each file. So uh, I know you're out there. I can see it in uh, our stats on the site on who all's downloading this where. We know that VegCast is going to uh, many countries worldwide and uh, being heard across America. And I do get uh, some mail, some feedback, uh, but there's lots of people that I don't hear from unless I like run into them at, veg at vegetarian or vegan events and they say, oh, I love your show. I love VegCast. Well, that's great. We certainly appreciate any uh, enthusiastic response. Uh, but if you have that or any critique that you want to offer at this juncture as to how uh, VegCast is put together, what content it has, what it might have or uh, might not have, send that in and uh, we want to do a roundup of those. Uh, you can either email or uh, send audio and we'll have that on VegCast 100, which should be coming out near the end of April. We're going to uh, take a little extra time to get that one right. But for right now, we are getting out of here on VegCast 98. See ya.
You know, in listening to that last bit, I realized I said you can email or send audio. Obviously, you would be emailing the audio, but you can also just uh, email text if you want. Uh, and as for the audio, try to keep it around a minute in length or less if possible. And uh, now we're getting out of here. I want to thank Robert Cheek, my vegan bodybuilding guest. I also want to thank Christina Louise Dicker for sending us her latest tune, as well as turning us on to so many Australian musos. And I want to thank you, the VegCast listeners, for downloading and subscribing, if possible. And until next time, get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.